The Weekly Dish podcast is presented by Common Ground Minnesota. Food and farming conversations from Minnesota women in agriculture. Learn more at commongroundminnesota.com or follow them on Instagram at commongroundminn. Hey, everybody, it's Steph March for Common Ground Minnesota. Listen, food brings out the passion in people, so let's talk about food together. Common Ground Minnesota is an online resource for you to do that, and it's 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 run by volunteer women farmers from Minnesota of all walks. We're talking big farms, small farms. We're talking dairy. We're talking produce. These women in agriculture are growing and raising the food that we all eat. We love to have a chat with them about what it, what it means to be sustainable and what does it mean when they're using pesticides and why are they doing it. All of this is available at Common Ground Minnesota website. It's commongroundminnesota.com. And then on that new website, you guys, there are videos, there's you know FAQs, there's topics, there's a great blog, all sorts of things, and recipes. And farm dogs, too, by the way. So there you go. Commongroundminnesota.com is your great resource for everything food and families and farms. Don't forget, check them out on Instagram at commongroundminn. With the my top chicks and we will eat on eat on the weekly dish. Weekly Dish on Saturdays. Uh, I'm My Talk 1071. I'm Stephanie March. I'm Stephanie Hansen. We are so glad that you are joining us today on a very soggy. Is it soggy? I don't know. It feels like it's dry, but it's drab. I don't know. I'm just looking forward to getting outside and seeing all the green things today. This is true. I do. There's a whole row of the most beautiful forsythia (gasps) at the sculpture garden. I know. I drove by it and I was like, what is that yellow row of heaven? I know. My Jane took a picture of it and sent it out. And I was like, you know what? In my old house, my mom actually reported this to me. In my old, old house, uh, I used to have this massive forsythia bush. And it was always like, it's here. Yeah. You know, it would just like herald in spring. And she said she drove by just looking for it, you know, just as like a thing. And she's like, they ripped it out. And I was like, oh, oh boy, that's horrible. Why? Who doesn't like forsythia? I don't know, but I have finally stopped driving by my old garden every spring. Okay. I probably will. You'll still do it. But it's not like the top of my mind like it was for a couple of years. This is true. Um, okay, guess what? It's time for top two and our two. Give me the old one, two. One, two, one, two. And now the Weekly Dish presents top two, top two. The top two. Pick your best two. In our two. All right, give me two, winning, winning, winning. All right, so this is the time in the show, you guys, when we talk about a couple of things that we are totally thinking about a lot this week. Do you want to go first? Sure. I had just kind of a funny experience. Um, When you're on the road, my husband likes a super hoppy IPA generally. Yep. And when you're on the road, you're driving through different states and trying to find different regional beers. And we found this beer that we really liked. It is, um, it's from the West. I'm on, it's I'm trying to think if I can tell you where it's even from. It's from Elysian Brewing Company, which is in Seattle. Oh. Um, and they have a beer that we really liked that we picked up called Space Dust. Space Dust. <laughs> and it has kind of a cool label like all IPAs do. And we're yeah. out at the campfire and each have had a couple of Space Dusts. And then we start to think about what we're going to cook for our dinner. Yeah. And my husband was like, Wow do you feel like that just hit you? And I was like, yeah, I kind of do. 
and I look on the label and it's like 8.9% alcohol because <laughs> <laughs> you got to be careful with the IPAs sometimes. So if you would like to taste the Elysian, it's Space Dust. It's a delicious beer. Only have one is a warning, but really? we really liked it a lot and uh, had it on our trip. So Elysian Space Dust beer. Okay. Looks like on their site, they have a Rolling Stone beer as well, which oh, is kind of funny. Nice. I know. I like that. I do like the freshy hoppy ones right about now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, that bright sort of zinger. I yep. think that's great. Some of the hazies. Yeah. Um, okay. So my first one is going to be kind of weird and awkward, but um, basically there's a guy called Yummy Boy on YouTube. <laughs> We like that you bring us the weird, awkward ones. I know. I have a nerd side, and I feel like this is a good place to let that out. It so, is. Um, yummy boy. Okay, if you're watching food videos on TikTok or whatever, maybe you get a little bit uh, over like either the speed of it all, or maybe sometimes you're getting a little bit too much of you know all the editing with the music and the talking and everything else. Sometimes I just want to watch something being made. Like I don't need a recipe. We all know this, and I don't need. I kind of want to figure it out as I go. And and I have to tell you, the Korean street food game is the best. They are the most creative, the most killer as far as you know, thinking up things and doing things. And Yummy Boy on YouTube is a guy who is just filming street food vendors making things. And there's like pizza toast, right? And all of a sudden it's like this big, and they're just, he's just filming over this griddle and they just make this thing where they put bread down and then they have these little square egg things and they, they throw the things in the eggs and you're like, what are you putting in the eggs? You think that's like, do you think that's pork? Okay. Oh, what kind of cheese is that? I don't know. What could it be? And then like, oh, are those our pepperoni? You know, and like they do this thing and they're just showing it. And then they, they basically make this toast, this pizza toast that is just pieces of bread with this egg thing that has all the pizza fixings in it. And then like all the, then they squirt a bottle of something. You're like, do you think that's chili sauce or do you think that's ketchup? What is that? A marinara maybe? And it is completely sucked me in. And I think all I can think of is like, all of these should be at the state fair. <laughs> like, <laughs> they did a corn dog, which had cheese on top of it. It was a combo dog and cheese dog, you know, like a foot Yum. long, but there was a hot dog on the bottom and a block of cheese on the front. They battered it and then they rolled it in tempura, you know, like so that I had crunchy. They battered it and then crunchy battered it and then fried it. So it was like a regular corn dog. Like it was actually a Prano pup because I think it was batter. And then it was like, but it was, it had like texture on the outside Ooh, and that had the cheese in it. And I was like, Someone That's needs it. To do this. So anyway, Yummy Boy on YouTube. If you just look up Yummy Boy, you're gonna find him. Uh, we'll put a post up to one of those ones you got that hope. And um and then literally just find yourself I mean like hours. I took an hour and a half break to Yummy Boy yesterday. So. All right. So my next one is many of you know, like I've had CSAs over the years and I've loved them. But in the last couple of years I've had my own garden, so yep. I have not had a CSA. Right. Well, there's the time where I'm waiting for the garden things to come in and I want to support local, but I don't have a CSA. I will shop at the co-ops, um, but I'm like, okay, I really would love some pork mm. and I'm out of pork and I need some ground pork and I don't want to just buy it at the grocery store. So there is, and I've talked about this before, but I'm going to tell you about it again. Frank and Ernest Markets, mm -hmm. they have evolved a lot throughout the coronavirus and you can go on to Frank and Ernest uh, markets.com and we posted it 
and I can like pick like, okay, I want this farmer has ground pork. This farmer has a pork shoulder. I also want some microgreens from this farmer. Oh, and I want some cheese from Singing Hills Dairy or whatever it is. Right. And I can pick all these things. I can put it in my cart. I can pay for it and they will deliver it to my house on that Sunday. So it's kind of like that CSA feel because I'm getting local farm goods, but I'm not having to subscribe to a CSA that's going to be a box every week that I'm not going to be able to use in the way that I want to. Well, it's shopping your farmer's markets. That's right. It's really a farmer's market that you don't have to go to. That's right. So and I think that's smart. I wish that they would have delivered out to me. Well, the, they just don't deliver out See, to but me. you're going to be closer, I know, Stephanie. I you're know. You're going to be I in the delivery whole, range of everything I have now. a whole different world of like delivery coming to me. You way. do. You do. Which is not great. So, <laughs> yeah, but I was excited because I didn't get a half of a pork or I didn't get a half a hog this year because I didn't have the freezer room for it, but I'm regretting it. But now Are I'm Are you like, regretting it? Yeah. I am. Next year, if you want to do it, let's I don't know. I have to be honest with you. I like the flexibility of shopping different things. Yeah. And also with that, with I love my, I love the the hog that we got, uh, all of it, but like... Nettle Valley Farm was the one we got. Yeah. But we've also ordered from Weicker Acres. Weicker is like, the box has just different things, and it's a smaller amount. I find that I am more, I need, I'm just more, you know... What do I want to say? See, I can't even come up with a word that I want to say. I'm frenetic. I just don't want... It's like I can't commit to one thing. I want a lot of different other things, and I want to vary it. I miss having fresh ground pork. I I will say that. And I do miss having those pork chops and being able to... Those pork chops were the best pork chops I've ever had in my life. And Tullison Family Farms is through Frank and Ernest, so I'm like, oh, I can get 10 pounds of just... I want ground pork to... I don't like to buy ground pork in the grocery store. I don't know why. I just don't. I've been buying it at United Noodle because they have heritage. Oh. Uh, they have some heritage pork there oh. that I've been buying because I that's what I use when because I'm buying my pot sticker yeah. wrappers and all my other stuff and so I love that. Oh, I'm gonna check that out too. I know that's not a bad idea. Okay, um, and then also I will tell you that uh, Together Farms. Remember that's my burger farm out in Wisconsin. Stephanie Schmidt, farmer staff, she's got uh, she's got I've bought you know things from her and she raises red wattle. Uh, you know, pork that is, I don't know if it's red wall now that I say it, but she's got heritage pork that sure. she raises on her farm and heritage beef. So you can get frozen, sent frozen ground beef from her farm. You know, and the weird thing about me is that I don't buy ground beef. I know. I was thinking about that when I, I as, never as I said that, I was like, do you even buy ground no, beef? Never. Because you never make burgers at home. Nope. You don't make meatloaf. You, do you make meatballs? Uh, I mean, sometimes, but I usually use some beef, some pork, some veal. Yeah. Like, it's just not a thing for me. Yeah. 10 pounds of ground beef would sit in my house forever. I don't, we were talking about this. The kids and I were talking about like, what would you, what could, what meat could you give up easily? Like if you had to, ground and beef. I think it's ground beef besides the fact that I love a cheeseburger, like crazy. Yeah. Like, but I don't, that's the make, thing I've missed the most. Yeah. I don't make it at home. I always yeah. get it out. Tacos. I'm not going to use ground beef. Yeah. I'm going to make pulled pork or chicken yeah. or fish or yep. it's weird. Shrimp. That's true. Shrimp. Shrimp. Um, okay, so my second one is just this really interesting piece by Jeff uh, Jordanier. I don't know how we say his last name, but he was, uh, so he was the, he's a food critic, or he has been, he's written books, he's just this great, um, he's been in the food scene for a long time, and he wrote for us, he's been at Esquire for the last, you know, couple of years, but he was New York Times, um, everything else, and he is leaving the food critic world, the food, you know, writers, critics world, and 
It's a, he has a really great essay called Why I'm Saying Farewell to the Best Damn Job in the World. Okay. And obviously this has a lot of feelings for me because I think about it too. And one of the things, you know, one of the things he says is that it's not for a guy who's in his mid-50s, it's not really sustainable to eat like that, like that is required of you. Um, and I think it's a really, it's a really great story about excess and about how we have written about food. Um, you know, and about how, what it has taken and what has gone, um, as far as, you know, food writing in the past and food writing, how we're moving toward it and the differences. And I just have to say, I'm here for evolution and I'm here for understanding about how things, you know, we are all in a process all the time anyway. So I don't, I feel like anything that's been done the same way for so long needs to change. So, um, but it's a really interesting essay. And I just thought if you guys had all, uh, if you have any ideas about, you know, it's like the idea of like celebrated figures like Anthony Bourdain and Jonathan Gold and Josh Ozersky and all these people. And like what, you know, this is this guy, he's making it to this age that those didn't, you know, those three people I just named didn't make it to his age hmm. necessarily. But like how it's, uh, how it's like, you know, what does that mean as you're aging out of this? And Lee Dean just retired recently yeah. and she has a piece in Artful Living. I think that was, you know, just sort of, I liked it. It was, it was a little poppy for me. I didn't, I wanted more flow. I wanted more narrative from her, but, um, and I'm, I'm, I feel like she's going to write a book. And so I'm excited for yeah. that. Um, but I, but I, I think it's an interesting way of seeing what has been and what is coming. So, okay. There it and is. What is coming is eating at the twins game. Speaking of that's right. Next. So we'll be right back. Hello, dishers. Are you wondering if it's time to sell your house? Are you hearing about the hot market and wondering if you should start looking? I am so glad I did. I worked with Carrie Elkst and Sue Durfee to sell my town home and buy a single family home in Golden Valley. You can get so much more for your money. Interest rates are so low, you can spend up to 20% more on a house and have a similar payment that you could have had three years ago. It's also never been a better time to sell because there are way more buyers than there are sellers. I was just looking at condos with Ellie and she can buy for cheaper than she could rent. When it's time, she's going to need someone that will know the first time buyer programs and how to present the best offer. I think I told you we had multiple offers on both the buyer side and the seller side when we sold our town home and Carrie and Sue's experience was invaluable in getting the deal done. Things like when you can close, cash up front and other factors can help secure your offer when it's not necessarily the highest offer. Ask Carrie and Sue for the hot dish special they are offering only to weekly dish listeners. If you're in the market to buy and sell a home, find Carrie Augst and Sue Durfee at CarrieandSue.com at Lakes Area Realty. They represent buyers and sellers all over the Twin Cities and really love Weekly Dish and would love to help you buy or sell your next home. Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. Uh, it's baseball season! You had the one of my favorite stories this week because I wasn't even expecting it because I was out of town traveling and all right. of a sudden I was like, oh, there's Stephanie and she's at the stadium, I a know. stadium with people. I know. I know. Opening day, home opener. The fact that we got it this year and, you know, every year, you know, I usually go with my cohort, Drew, and we do kind of a state fair thing of the new foods <laughs> and we go and we try all the new stuff and we tell you to get it or skip it or it's your call. And I got to say this year we were like, are we going to do it? Are they going to let us? And so we, they, there was no new food preview and there was no new foods really. So we thought, well, let's just go and see how it is. <laughs> and so we did, or I did, you know, Drew was unfortunately unable to make it, but, um, I have to tell you the idea of opening up the twin stadium was very, it was sort of like, after I thought about it, I was like, so there's, that's the first time I'm going to be around 
10,000 people. How did that feel? Because I'm really curious. And that was a thing. Like, that was the point was like, okay, well, how do you write this? This isn't, there's not a lot of new foods to really write about and it can't be typical. But I have to tell you that like going to the ballpark has been something for me that is always just an opening day, you know, fun thing to do. And I love you know, I used to be a more hardcore Twins fan, and I sort of fell off when I got divorced. But, like, I've always sort of kept my toe in it. And um, I love the Twins. I love Minnesota. You know what I mean? We yep. all know that I'm a, just a home hometowner anyway. But so walking in, I was like, okay, how is this going to go? And it felt normal right away. It just felt like like all of a sudden there was people around. But that place is so large. It is so big that having that only 10,000 people there, it felt like And it's open great. air, <laughs> right? So It's completely open air. You feel like you're outside, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. You feel like you, I mean, you are outside. You absolutely are outside. Even when I was upstairs inside in the Batten Barrel restaurant, all the entire wall is open. So yeah. it's like there's, I mean, like my hair was moving the entire time because of the wind that was coming through. Um, it was... I, I have to say, like, uh, the thing I was most proud of or the most, like, happy about was, like, everybody had a mask on. There was not anybody who was, like, making a statement or feeling yep. like they had to, like, uh, and and it was, like, everybody had a mask, and then they sat down at their table, and then, you know, they took their mask off while they were eating and drinking, and then, and then if they got up and walked off, they put their mask back on. And I felt like that felt good. That was the first step of feeling good. The second step is it really was spaced out. I mean, like all the seats were far apart. Um, and it was, you know, the tables. There was I was at one table by myself, and then there was like there was like a limit of how many people can be at a table. And it was uh it w- and they had like places at the bar where they had signs that said this is area is not open. And as far as and and I'm gonna caveat this, of course, that I was there at the very beginning and I stayed through probably the fifth or sixth inning. Now, as people have a little more drinky drinks in them, I know that things get looser. So I can't really speak to what it was like at the end of the night if if people were still obeying those stanchions and not, you know, kind of going. But as far as the first half of the game, it felt like and here's the thing is there didn't nobody needed to stand in that space because there weren't that many people. It felt interesting too that they're Summit is they've gone to can summits versus draft yes. beers. Mm-hmm. So that felt interesting. That was a weird, I mean, and I was trying to understand and I asked, I said, so I, first of all, I asked my server who up at bat and barrel and she and I were just kind of, I said, how are you doing? And she's like, it's good. We only found out like, uh, two days ago, you know, she's like, I, I got called back, you know, it was only like two weeks ago and I got called back and she's like, and I'm, I haven't tried any of the new things. And she's like, there's only two new things. She's like, but I'm not sure. Cause some of this stuff hasn't just been up in bat and barrel before. And so she's like, we didn't, you know, we're, we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants. Yeah. And she was very honest with me, but she was also very open and very, you know, um, and she was saying that I said, so why are we getting beer and can? She's like, I don't, I don't actually know. She's like, I don't know. Um, she's like, I think it's, and then I asked, you know, the, the press guys and they said, you know, it's, it's less touch points. They, they thought the people didn't want less open containers, you know, for, you know, spreading things if, if it's aerosol based. And then also like if it, you get to open it yourself. So that's sort of a, uh-huh. a comfort space. 
I liked your comment that you can put one in your pocket Hi. while you're carrying your nachos. I have hated the glasses open. I hate because you have to sit there. You're trying you have to, to balance drink. You have to everything. slam half of it if you're walking anywhere because people bump into you all the time. Yeah. Nobody bumped into me. I mean, like, it was amazing. Walking the concourse was great. If you are at all phobic on crowds, and that's why you don't go to big baseball games, oh, my God, go to a game. What did you eat? Well, so I was up in Baton Barrel, and I tried the burger, and they have a cease and desist burger from Blue Door Pub. That's the newest one. And that one is, you know, a uh, you know a take on the Big Mac. And it's, uh, and it's great. It was perfectly done. The bun was deliciously griddled. It was soft. It was beautiful. Uh, Andrew Zimmern uh, had some K- Korean fried chicken wings, and he would have done them at his, his, his kiosk, but... And here's the thing is like a lot of our favorite kiosks on the concourse, Hot Indian, you know, Zimmern, the Izzy's guys, you know, all of that stuff. Those are all closed. Um, any of the specialty ones, um, because they're trying to keep the flow down. They're trying to keep people from stopping and creating, you know, blocking. They want the concourses to be open so that you are easy to get back to your seat. Because ideally you're supposed to buy food and drink and then take it to your seat. Not linger. You're not they don't want people to be eating mm-hmm. while they're walking because then your mask is down. So while you're walking, they want your mask to be up. Like at Disney World. Yeah. And so it makes sense to me. And also because all they're saying is like, find a place to stop. If you don't want to go sit in your actual seat, there are so many rail spots that are open that you can just pause, stop at a rail, eat your food while you're standing, not walking, and then move on, you know, and take your sips and everything else. So it makes sense. So, but some of the things that you would normally find, like the hot Indian Viga Chana Masala, that isn't on the concourse anymore. That is up in Baton Barrel. And you don't have to have a table. You can still just go grab it. You can order it on your app, which mm-hmm. is, that's the next thing, is ordering on this app. Um, and then you can go up there and then you can get it and bring it back. So it's a lot of changes. Check out the blog that we're going to post for a little bit more of the details, but it's interesting, but I say, I say if you... Hello, Weekly Disher. Spring is sprung, and that means the best-tasting wild-caught seafood is available from Sitka Salmon. You may have heard us talk about Sitka Salmon before on the show, and that's because we are huge fans. Sitka Salmon standards for quality are unrivaled in the industry because, you see, Sitka Salmon is a community-supported fishery. The fish they process for you to eat are caught by a collective of small boat fishermen, fisherwomen, and families. Some of these families have been fishing for multiple generations. And knowing the boat your fish comes from is not typical of most fish you buy. When you buy a Sitka salmon share, you're getting the freshest quality fish you can, and you can trace the fish back to its source. With your share, you're part of the Sitka family, and you get monthly fish shipments of salmon, lingcod, crab, tuna, halibut, and you get the freshest fish while it's in season. They even have recipes, but I've been steaming my cod in my Instant Pot. The fish is so delicious, you don't even need to do much to serve it other than cook it and eat it. So Weekly Dishers, here is how you get your $25 discount for the first month of a premium Sitka salmon share. Type SitkaSalmonShares.com backslash weekly dish and you save $25. So save $25 on your box. Again, type Sitka, S-I-T-K-A, SalmonShares.com backslash weekly dish and you save $25. We are back. We are the Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie Hansen here with Steph March. And we were talking about restaurants and I want to just have kind of a candid conversation because I have been out and about in outdoor restaurants, I have not gone into an indoor restaurant yet, but I have my first reservation coming up at Mimi and Suki. Good. And I'm very excited about it. And then I have a reservation the week after that for Sanju San. Sanju San. Sanju San. It's not Mexican. Thank you. 
And then I was talking with my daughter, who's 22. And I I feel like I've been an extrovert my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I'm feeling weird about this whole experience that we've been through as a collective consciousness of 18 months of lockdown, fear, you know, not knowing if you're going to be injuring somebody by breathing on them or what it's going to be like if you're in an unknown space. And our lives are opening back up. We have people that have had one vaccine, two vaccine. I've been, I've had two shots. My husband's had two shots. My daughter's had one on her way to a second. And people are trying to get back to their lives. But what does that mean? Like, I just, I'm still wondering, do we just go back to normal? Is there such a thing as going back to normal? Like, do I want to be that person that eats out five nights a week? Do I want to be more mindful of like what I'm putting into my body and cooking at home? Do I, will I always spend more time outside? One of the gifts of coronavirus has been that we've spent so much more time outside. Yeah. I've loved that. I want to keep that going. Yeah. Like, what are we taking away from this experience or are we just rushing back to normal and are you changed? I don't know. And that's, that's a good question. And I think one of the things that we definitely won't have is everything won't be running the same as it was. And I think that is an interesting point, especially when, of course, we're talking about restaurants. First of all, you know, I know you've probably heard this, but it, it is, it is, it's hard to hire right now. I actually People are, are was, leaving the industry. There's everyone is hiring. Yeah. Everyone is hiring. Cause they all see the light at the end of the tunnel. They want to get back to things. And it's a little bit terrifying to think about how, uh, you know, somebody, uh, I'll just say, I'll just frame this up as a man I know named Jose said he was not, uh, he was trying to consider if he was, he was back in the restaurant and he was trying to decide if he was going to stay or if he was going to go out, leave it, you know, fully because he had come back because he was like, well, it was available to me, but he's like, I don't love it anymore. And it's really hard. And it's like, I've had this break from it. And it's less about, yeah, he was making more money on an unemployment. It's less about that. It's less about this money thing than it is going back to that life. That is a hard life and the lifestyle as like when we all sit here and go oh they're they're making so much more money on unemployment but yes they are but it's not just money it's going then going back to something that's so hard for less is a hard mental shift to make and i think we're going to be forever changed in the restaurant business things like I don't know that people will open for lunch every day. Well, I was like going to say, someone said to me like, hey, where can I go on a Monday for lunch? I'm like, dude, why would anybody open on Mondays for lunch? Like, there's no restaurant. Like, it's harder to think about. We're probably going to look be looking at a Wednesday through Sunday restaurant culture. I thought about that. That's a reality. Like, that is a real thing that I think restaurants find that they can have you know, they can have a, a life for their employees and their managers. Two days off. Yep. Yeah. And they can actually still make the same. Maybe they can make the same amount of money. Maybe they can make a money enough. And to who's going to stay open till midnight? Well, some, I mean, some places will. Some will. Yeah. But uh, places that before to stay competitive, you would have had to. Yeah. I mean, they'll close at 10 and they'll their employees will be home by 1130. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I think I think. You know, places that felt like they had to be open on a Sunday night, you know, because everybody else was, we have to, because it's a money, it's a potential for money making. If they realize that they had zero business, you know, they're not going to open anymore. In California, too, there was everything was touchless. So it was all QR codes. Yeah. So there was no walking you through the menu. There was no even talking to you, really. Which I think it was here. Take your picture of this. 
and tell us what you want. There was very little service to speak of. This is this is the hard part for me. This is the part where the the death of hospitality. I actually have an article coming out about this because I'm terrified that we move that we're going to move to a transactional relationship. Yeah. In in hospitality, and I'm not. That is a sadness, and we should all be sad for that because you lose though, humanity with that. But maybe it will be where you'll have high touch hospitalitarian type places, and then yeah. everything else will be fast casual. Slap it down. I do think that the uh, the. CDC basically said, you know, came out and said, you can stop the the cleaning, the theater of cleaning, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because it doesn't. I mean, like, this is the thing is like, you can have paper menus. You don't need to have all of the QR wiping codes. and the chemicals. That doesn't that's We're not, not having coronavirus that is sitting on surfaces that. Yeah. in that way. So the the th- the clean theater can go away, which, of course, then there's a few more things that can open up in those ways. But I do think that there's something to say about that, that. You know, the idea of that loss of humanity and the idea that if I don't, you know, ghost kitchens have their place. And I think you're right. I think what we're going to see is we're just going to see more disparate, you know, and unfortunately, I think we lose again. We lose that middle ground like Spoon and Stable will always be Spoon and Stable. There will always be high service. You know, he's paying his people via uh, an hourly wage that is a living wage. So they're not relying on tips. And from what I hear from some of his people, they love it. You know, they love that there's more stability there. They don't have to worry about being scheduled on a Tuesday night because you make as much on a Tuesday night as you make on a Saturday night. So, And what is the 20% service model or an extra service charge going to look like? That's what that's going to be. And is that just a is that just getting wages to where they maybe should have been all along? And we can call it whatever we want it, but people are more interested in a living wage. Well, that gives them a more stable staff. Yeah, but I guess, you know, then again, from the side of the server. Oh, yeah, the servers They're are... like, yeah, um, I was making a lot more than this. Why am I going to come back to this? Yep. Why am I going to come back to a lower wage, even though it is more stable? Like I was making, you know, I could personally make $700 in a week. And now I can, you're telling me that I have to be happy with five. You know, that's a difference. I think there's a reckoning, too, in just the culture of... What kind of places do you want to support? What kind of restaurants do you want to be in? What do you want them to feel like? What do you want them to look like? You know, I don't know if I will be utilizing my dollar in the same way. Well, I think there's uh, I think there's definitely something about how many places are will be open and what kinds of food you can get and how you'll enjoy your times out and whether that'll be you're cooking now at more at home, so you'll really only go out like two nights a week instead of the five nights a week. Which would then lend, lend to special occasion dining and then sort of fast casual picking something up on the way home. But special occasion isn't the same anymore. I don't think that will be the same. I don't think it'll be special occasion like, okay, let's dress up and let's go. I think because we have been robbed of all occasions, everything is a special occasion. And Maybe. So, and like, just even what you, you and wear. I, yeah, no, I'm like you and I going out for like, hey, let's go get some wings and, you know, for dinner that, you know, let's meet up like that's a special occasion because we're only going to do it once this week and so that means more we may spend more we're probably going to be less apt to care about like oh there's like a 30 there's like 20 percent charge on this that's fine you know i mean i'm i'm so it's happy my to one be, night out of the I'm week so happy to yeah. be here you know and so i think there's going to be how i felt with my uber driver i was right? like even though you drove with the windows open the whole way and i had a t-shirt on and was freezing it still left you a 20 percent tip because i was happy that you picked me up yeah, okay. I'm going to also caveat <laughs> that with there is a part where we do have to get to a point where we are in the feedback loop again, where it's like, because we can't have the, you know, we love our restaurants and we're forgiving them everything and we're supporting them because we love them. But at the same time, we have to be able to say, 
I this didn't work. This was this was a fail on your part, and I would like you to fix this, or I would like this to be you know not this way. Because if you don't, if you don't give the feedback, then you just don't go back. And they're going to. We were. T- I was talking to the that. girls about that. We were talking about ordering drinks in a bar. Yeah. And wanting to try things, but feeling anxious about ordering them because what if you didn't like them, or like not letting the bartender have any creativity because you're afraid to order something you don't know. And I was giving them the Jesse Held, Rob Jones school of, you know, say your spirit, say kind of the profile that you like and let them have creativity. And then if you don't like it, just be honest and say, sorry, this one didn't work. Can we try another? Yeah. And to be fair, you don't get to salad bar this situation and get any amount of drinks you want. It's not a rotating sample bar. Salad bar situation. situation. Oh, I'm just going to sample some of this and some of this. Oh, I don't like it. Wait, I want to know one. Or I ate half of it, but now I'm sending it back. My big thing was like the guy who was like, he's got one bite of burger left on his plate. And he's like, you know, this just wasn't really very good. Really? Oh, because you how interesting! It. You totally ate all of it. He's like, "Well, I'd like a refund." I'm like, uh, "Yeah, I mean, if I like a bite or two in, we would have totally happily done that." But you ate the whole thing. I feel like too. This is you are going to just die laughing. Like the whole Instagram thing for me is feeling a little different too, because. Do you really just want to look at my pretty plate of food that I took of this secouterie where there's five pieces of octopus and like, huh? Well, I mean, or like, I feel like in the cooking realm, you know, we're sharing information or we're sharing a recipe or like, yeah. Well, this has always been my bag, but it's feeling even more. I think gratuitousness and excess is, I mean, if you read that article by Jeff, you know, from Esquire, that's one of the reasons he's leaving is like, it doesn't feel right anymore. It doesn't feel good. And it's not, not only is it not healthy, but it doesn't really feel right anymore. I can't even imagine being a food reviewer because does it feel right to like pick apart someone's agua chile? Well, and this is the thing, right? I don't really necessarily feel like we're any of us are going in this direction. And I really, I really think that what we have been doing with Dara in the magazine too is really interesting. The way that we're, you know, it's not necessarily about like handing down that this is right or wrong or good or bad. It's really exploring the stories and really sort of putting it into context, but also at the same time, sort of giving it, you know, we haven't really reviewed a restaurant. Honestly, we, she's done mostly profiles and stuff, but we're moving toward that. We're moving toward the idea of like really trying to understand and evaluate it within context, not necessarily say like this dish was this and this was that. Mm-hmm. Because we also, by the way, don't have budgets. Like, nobody has budgets like they right. used to have. Everyone's so, still just hanging on. Yeah, no one is going to a restaurant like 10 times to discern the things. But I do think there's value in ha- helping people find what they need and giving them the uh, the tools for that. And we are lucky to have that experience to be able to do that. But I do think that it is, I think the excess thing is over. And I mean, I think the Instagram piece where it's all exclamation points and, you know, envy my life, it feels so shallow and and less of a thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I really like Instagram for showing people and for seeing things and, and understanding them. And I think that that's invaluable. But I, again, I feel like context is always the most important. Yeah. Anyway, okay. interesting. Uh, we got locals to love when we come back. Okay, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us today. Um, it's just been... Uh, We've had a lot of catching up. There's a lot of catching up, and there's a lot of things that are, we're all thinking about, and I think there's some good thoughts, and we'd love to hear your thoughts, too. And, you know, you can always send us your messages, and we'd love to hear anything you got to weigh in on that. 
Um, one thing I do want to say is we're talking about restaurants and everything else. This is something that I have been hearing um, that I think that we all have to really do a re- we have to really rejigger ourselves. If you are making a reservation, you cannot not show for that reservation. It is devastating to the restaurant. They only have X amount. They have a very limited amount of places now and they have small uh, you know, capacities. And so then when they are reserving those spaces, they are saying no to other people because they have said yes to you. If you do not show up, they have lost that money for that day. It's not a thing where they can fill it in with a waitlist person. You know, they're taking walk in. No one's walking. They're not, in they don't really have that option. So if you make a reservation and you no show, it is beyond horrible. It is worse than it has ever been before because it is so hard for them to figure out and where their money's coming from, when it's going to come and all that stuff. So please, please, please. And there's no shame in canceling a reservation. Just cancel it so that they can open it up for someone else so that they're not waiting for you. You can cancel it. I mean, like cancel it right up before you don't go, but at least they know they don't have to sit there and wait. So I would say, and let other people know if they're making multiple reservations. This is a thing with like that happens during prom and dance days when they're like, well, we have six reservations at these places and then we'll just, we'll pick one and then we'll just pick one. You know what? Just pick one, pick it now. And then don't try to reserve and hold these other places so that other people, so that they don't get lost. You know, that the seating doesn't get lost. That's my, that's my soapbox moment. It's all right. Um, Meritage is reopening. Yes. Which is very exciting. How do you feel about that? I can't believe we've gone this entire show without you championing the fact that Sea Salt opens next weekend. It was on my list. It was on my list. Um, and I'm concerned about everybody find, finding enough workers to be yes. open because I noticed in California, everybody was short staffed. Yeah. Or we waited for everything. Like every, it was just short staff, short staff, short staff. You could just see people in the weeds everywhere. Yes. Um, so I think that's going to be I interesting. Think that is also a thing. You know what I mean? And that is a hard, you know, you're going to have, like we said, yeah, there's a lot of people who have decided. Apparently, a lot of people are becoming Instacart drivers instead of being servers. This is what I've heard, that Instacart is like peopled and being run by servers, you know, former hospitality sure. people. So, Lucky them. Yeah. A couple hundred bucks a shift, a couple hours. Great. Great employees. Do it. Um, St. Paul Grill has opened up in a weird kind of interesting way. They're doing like six to 12 person pods so of dining. That, yeah, they had something like that before. They were like you could. Re- their experiences, they're calling them. Yeah, I didn't know what to do. I didn't write about that yet because I wasn't sure what it was. It was hard for me to understand. It's um, a very limited capacity. You get like uh, two appetizers, a dessert. You can choose from one of 11 entrees. It's to have six to 12 people groups. But they're doing them in small amounts. Okay. So they're not completely opening the restaurant. It's just a smaller capacity. It's just private dining. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, basically. It's just private dining. And private dining is something people are wanting. Yeah. And not knowing how to access it or go about it. So uh, the Hewing opened. I think you were at... Yes. Oh, my God, you guys. That's a great spot. But they've had some... I think missteps in the chef arena. So I'm glad they're trying a new person. Yeah. Newell is... uh, he's He's a smart kid. And he's got... He's been here. He started... Poor kid started in the March of 2020. Like there was a media tasting of one of his stuff. Like that was one of the last things that that all the media kids were kind of. They all went. I didn't go because I was already starting to feel like, eh. yeah. 
And I, it was just like, oh, and he remembers it just being as a, as a terrifying and weird thing. But I, I have to tell you, I went to go sit there and I had uh, one of the things and I talked about this last week a little bit about the vegetable carpaccio, which he had a celery root carpaccio. I would love more of that. Yum. Just more idea of like how, you know, the, that vegetable life can totally be a little bit different. Oof. That's I'm looking forward to going to Mimi and Suki this week for their corn nine Suki course. Mimi. Suki and Mimi. Yeah. Nine course corn. So you're switch. going so you're still on the same the original. So it's still on the original taste. Yeah, menu. but I think it's winding down at the end of April. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to quickly get in there. It's I my loved first it. indoor I dining experience. I'm loved it. Anxious. And you will love are you doing beverage pairings with it too? Yes, every single one. Okay. <laughs> but I think that's how I'm gonna eat now. Like, yeah. would you like a glass of grower champagne when you come? Yes. Yes. Would you like the cocktail pairing? Yes. Yeah. Because I feel like maybe I'll just be doing less versus more. Yes. But then on you the can one widen visit, it yeah. while you're there. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think it'll be a bigger experience, less of them. And so if we can, it's almost the Demi idea, right? I mean, yes. you go in for th- two hours, you know, and you know your committee and Travail too. Their basement bar is yeah, now they're... open. And I got a little sneak of that. And like, I would, I love the fact that it's a flight. Like you commit to a flight. And so you're like, okay, and now I just sit here. And now I just, you bring me things and I get to sample them and you describe them. And then there's food that comes that I get to pick. I love that idea. I can't wait to go to Scalvin Distillery too. Yeah, that's on my list actually. Just looking so great. Yeah, that's apparently I've heard... Uh, from some friends that that is a top-notch experience. Very. Yeah. They're, you you like the whole Japanese cocktail yeah. room thing, and that's what they're trying to emulate over there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Some great folks. Um, also, uh, obviously, we heard that Bar La Grassa, 112 <gasps> Eatery. I have never the seen Russia had the best snack bar. tweet about that. He was like, one what? thing I learned during the pandemic is how much people like Bar La Grassa. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is freaky. It's a little freaky how much people are like, like... Uh, apoplectic about yes. it. You know, they're and like having a seizure too. because mm-hmm. you say that, you know, Bala Grassa is coming back this month and they're like, blah, 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 blah. and they melt. Let's just have a collective sigh for Birch, shall we? <sighs> yeah, I'm okay with it. I'm fine. I'm um, how about the butcher and the boar kerfuffle? Yeah, there's a butcher and a boar and there's a the butcher's butcher tail, tail is opening in the butcher and the boar space. The Butcher's Tale, and it's Peter Botcher, and it's Chad, and it's all those guys uh, who were some of the original players, and Cam says they're not doing much to the inside. They're going to zhuzh it a little bit, but it's going to open, and they're going to kind of give it an homage to Butcher and the Boar. So what do you do if you're Brent Fredericks and you own the Butcher and the Boar name? Let me tell you what. You you do not worry. Brent has a genius that is unto itself and they are, he's got plans. I don't, he hasn't shared his plans with me. So don't think I'm in the know on this. I know that something is coming and I know that there's going to be something good coming. And I know that he is going to pay reverence to it. And I think he's, you know, I think, but I think he's going to bring something. They both have to bring something new because I'd love it's delicious, not going to be the same. High right? and low country. I don't All know. that southern cuisine is so yummy. But I think there's going to be an interesting. Uh, I think we have a plot twist coming. So okay. I think that if anyone knows, it'll be you. I you know. scoop breaker. I need, to, you. I need to. I know. I just have to learn all the things. But I do believe that, um, I do think that people are going to go to the original site. They're going to drink all their whiskey and then they're going to decide is this it? Is this not it? And then they'll either move on or they won't. And you guys tag us as you're eating out, yeah. share things on Facebook. I want to hear what you guys are doing, what you're eating, what you're seeing, what you're loving, what you miss.